0: Well, Ben, it's been a while. It's been a while. You and I have been traveling. You've been yeah. you've been ministering. I've been vacationing. But uh, we've been, it's been a while since yeah. we've been back together. Yeah. It's been but a few weeks. I'm glad to be back with Ben Rudolph. My name is Dan. We are the teaching pastors at Life Fellowship, and this is Life Talks. And today, this is our first episode since the end of the Supreme Court court term that ended on basically June 30th and they just all of a sudden as they do I don't know what it is why why they just like save them all up and then just dump them at the I 30th. think
1: honestly is because of last year's um such you know the emotional and the, the 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 seismic decision of the overturning of Roe versus Wade I think that they've tried to be like let's just dump everything out at once that that's my only that's my Well, assumption. I mean, they,
0: they have a history of waiting the big ones at the end. And, uh, you know, I've had some friends who worked in the Supreme Court who gave me theories on – why it happens that way, or their view on it, but but anyway, certainly they did give us a bunch. So we're yeah. going to go over a few of these today and kind of give our pastoral perspective on on some of the decisions, how they could implicate the church and believers and people who care about those kind of values, and uh, and just kind of chit chat a little and, bit today. Yeah, and
1: I think one of the things I know we're doing this because it's it affects it affects a lot of people the things that they've said and done and. One of the things I I always try to think about when 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 these Supreme Court decisions are made is okay how do we need to respond as the church, um, what what are the implications tomorrow? What are the implications five years down the road? Um But at the end of the day, I, I do believe that no matter what the Supreme Court decides, we still are free to choose to to obey God. Like th- these are yeah. not. The, we we are, this whole idea of even in, we're in the series in Galatians where we have this freedom in Christ, no matter what the government says or does, man, th- there's a level of freedom that we have that, you know, these decisions really only affect us in the near term. We know that. Anyways, I just trying to put some perspective on these kinds of yeah,
0: things. Yeah. And, and I think the media hypes them a lot. Um, and, you know, if we have time toward the end, maybe we'll just talk about um, why the Supreme Court functions the way it does and yeah. why it should function the way it does. But the first one I wanted to chat with you a little bit about was a case that was out of Colorado. Uh, it was, th- the official title was 303 creative LLC versus Alinas. But this is basically, um, a, Christ- uh, a, a, a lady who is a believer mm-hmm. who operated her own firm that designed websites right. and they asked her to design a website specifically for a same sex wedding. And she says, "No, that's against my beliefs," and yeah. and declined to do it. Colorado has some rather aggressive uh, laws protecting LGBTQ rights. This they've had multiple cases before various courts, a couple of them to the Supreme Court mm-hmm. on on what creates a conflict between a freedom of conscience. So the argument of the LGBTQ uh, uh, community is that if you are in business, discriminatory practices are not permitted right. against protected classes. Correct. And in Colorado and in the United States, in certain circumstances, the LGBTQs are considered a protected clause mm-hmm. because of sexual orientation or yeah. preference. So she said, yeah, but I have a greater right, which is a First, First Amendment, Amendment right. Yeah. which and, and she actually took this as a artistic freedom and a freedom of speech issue in addition to the fact that it was motivated by her religious. So right. it was kind of a multifaceted yeah. approach to this because it did violate her religious beliefs, but also she's an artist. She's producing art. These are Correct. creative acts that she uses uh, to publicize things. And and so the Supreme Court uh, basically came down six to three that said, yeah, she was well within her rights to be able to decline that. And that is pretty consistent with where the courts have ended up in, in the last several decades. Decades, which is the idea that a private company has rights of proprietorship that allows them to discriminate under certain circumstances. Right now, a public company doesn't. Mm. A public company comes under a different set of laws and regulations. But she's a private uh, provider. We don't have a constitutional right, for mm. instance, uh, to. Um, work for a public company and dictate what you will and will not do. Right. You agree to work for them right. and that's going to be whatever they assign to do. But if you own the business and if you own the company. So for, for this particular um, um, court case, we we feel uh, on the r- a religious right uh, Christian um, perspective is if this was a great blow for freedom. Yeah, I think this
1: is probably the one that applies to Christians the most because in, in some ways we never want to feel forced to do something that is against our our beliefs. And I think that... I've I've heard a lot of discussion about this, especially from what I would say is more of the progressive left, and they have said, you know, you're basically uh, you're allowing discrimination. Well, well, let's just make this really clear. What no, what we're what we're saying is, and what the justices are saying is, you cannot force someone to do something against their conscience and their will if it violates their their religious freedom or their freedom of speech, which the which the Constitution protects. And so, to me, I think one of the things that I Um, yeah, I think there's a difference between a, you know, there's been other cases like the baker, you remember the baker that Mm -hmm. wouldn't bake the cake? Yeah. And that was the last big one out of Colorado. So so to me, there's a giant difference between, um, a, you know, a gay couple walking into a bakery and saying, we want to buy some cupcakes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, great no one's going to stop them from buying cupcakes no one's going to stop them from buying a cake mm-hmm. right it's the we're forcing you to use your create your creativity to produce something that you your conscience violates right, right? and so if two if a gay man or or lesbian woman went up to this this web designer said i want you to design a website for my company she she would have no problem doing that it's the it's not there she's not discriminating Discriminating against them because of their homosexuality, because she could perform lots of services with her website that could help them. What she's saying is, I'm not going to use my artistic license and expression to promote something I don't believe in. It would be the equivalent of, um, and I know many times you've heard this illustration, but it's the equivalent of someone from the KKK going to, you know, uh, someone who's African American and saying, "Hey, I want you," you know, they own a print. Print company, a print design company. I want you to develop these flyers and and website and and brochures for our, our march and our conference. And they'd be like, I'm not doing that because it is it's violating the very essence of who they are and it violates their free speech. And so I think that um those are the kinds of things that I'm glad that the the court sided with, you know, the the basic freedoms that the very first freedom of of fr- freedom of religion, freedom of speech. So that, that to me is I hate to say this, and this feels like, duh. It, it,
0: it, you know, it would under know? most it would under most circumstances in previous generations, but political correctness and protection of the I get yeah marginalized yes. groups has yes. become such a huge issue. But I, I I would add add to that, I I'm a conservative, but I, I call myself a conservatarian. And, and one of the things is I believe the free market sorts this out yeah, eventually. Yeah. And and my, my view is, first of all, why would you want to do business with somebody who is offended by your very presence right. or offended by what you're requesting them to do? Right. Because I'm going to worry about the quality of the work then. And yeah. that's a very subjective thing. Yeah. And you're, you're not going to be able to win those kind of, well, they didn't do a good job because I was, you know, of this or nature. But if they tell you up front, look, I prefer not to do business with you uh, because of my own beliefs, then go to the store. It's not like we don't have places or open your own. <laughs> (laughs) store, open your own business. You may get wealthy doing that. And the consequence of that, by the way, is if you marginalize enough people, you'll go out of business. Right. So the free market eventually yeah. does take care of it, but in a libertarian culture, everybody gets to decide what they will and they won't do within right. you know certain restrictions. Right. And so that that's kind of where I kind of lean into my libertarian uh, bent to, to to some degree. You know, I obviously jump off when it comes to things like abortion, but um, th- there was another similar case that I want to bring up too, uh, because it had similar implications. And this was Groff versus DeJoy, and this was a a, a case where a guy who worked for uh, a company that delivered amazon packages um was had made arrangements multiple times so they didn't have to work on sunday mm-hmm. i believe this guy was an evangelical christian mm-hmm. and and the, the the issue had always been they had accommodated because he would say i'll work a double shift on saturday right. or uh, i will trade because a lot of people you know um uh, uh, would want a Saturday off. He said, yeah. I'll work your Saturday or I'll work a holiday yeah. if you'll give me Sundays off. And yeah. it had been a, no problem for years and years. And then all of a sudden, new supervisor came in. He said, no, no, no. You've got to work Sundays. Mm. And he filed a religious discretion he had a track record he had a pattern he had established mm. this wasn't just some you know buddy throwing a temper tantrum right. just trying to get a weekend off mm. and 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 so the court now this is interesting and i think this ought to be reassuring this decision was a 9 to nothing decision mm. rarely in this court do we see unanimous decisions but i think this is where we all understand that if we are going to have genuine freedom of religion in this country you cannot compel somebody just out of an arbitrary rule to violate their, their practices yes. of their faith. Now, yes. again, I'm an evangelical Christian. Um, I, I don't hold that narrow of a view that I would not work on a Sunday, but for mm. this guy, he did. Right. And the court unanimously said, no, if accommodations are possible, then you need to accommodate right. them. Right. And 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 so to me, that's a little bit reassuring that even the liberal justices on the court understand that at some point, we have got to protect you our get, religious you freedom. You've got
1: to protect religious freedom at some level. I mean, you, you should, it should be a, a major priority but we know from the LGBTQ issues that the, the liberal justices are going to side with with that with that yeah, because religious, they see them as a discriminated class right yeah. and, and to me it's 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 almost like one religion versus the other you know in, in essence because you have these two ideologies that keep clashing and they they've been clashing for the last 20 years in a public way and, uh, in the public square but also through through the you know, through these various means and and you know, all these court cases are coming up and they're just gonna keep coming, Dan. I mean, the reality is that movement, that ideology is not going to slow down their their i their ideology of trying to, to force people to accept, celebrate. You know what I mean? It's 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 not going this 6-3 decision. Um, I'm hoping that this is the end for a while, but chances it come, I mean, we're gonna keep seeing these kinds of things happening.
0: Yeah, it may have delayed a future clash by a decade or so yeah. because they they're not reticent to visit these repeatedly. And with a six to three majority, um, you know, there's gonna need to be, you know, two massive shifts. M- yeah, in two it, yeah. shifts, which could happen because you got you got Thomas who's yeah. Aging. Yeah. Um, and, you know, any one of the others could get cancer or something. Yeah. But the, uh, at, for the time being, that was that was a positive one you know and i I think that it's interesting there's a you know a big move on the left to uh undermine the legitimacy of of the court claiming that it's controlled by radical right wing mm-hmm. which anybody you know one degree off of center anymore is considered a radical particularly if you view them from the left but but this this court does not consistently uh well it may consistently but it is not always give us conservative victories. And there are mm. multiple ones over the course of this term uh, where they didn't. And it, the interesting thing is to see how their judicial philosophy plays out. Mm. And what we're seeing for the most part is a conservative majority who simply believes this, look, we go by the constitution. The right. constitution either lets us or doesn't let us. Yeah. And, and, we, and we believe in the separation of powers. We're not going to speak to things that are not the court's decisions to make. Right. That was the case in a third major course court case that came up. Mm. And that was on the on the one on whether President Biden had the authority to forgive a huge amount of student debt, mm. uh, hundreds of billions of dollars, yeah. uh, up to a half a trillion dollars, mm. just unilaterally say these with a the stroke of the pen. With a stroke of the pen, and of course, if you look at the Constitution, the Constitution is very very clear. The president does not have the right to spend money. He can spend money that's been allocated to him to spend by Congress, but the only uh, institution of the three primary branches of government that get to spend the money
1: is Congress. Uh, is
0: uh, Authorize the money yeah. is the Congress. Now, yeah. the others can spend it, but they, right. they, it has to be authorized. And so the question was, well, did Congress accidentally uh, authorize <laughs> this? And, and they pulled this, you know, this, this uh, regulative a, a bill that, you know, decades old uh, that had gone back to, you know, one of the early Gulf Wars hmm. and were using it to excuse this. Hmm. And they were using justification of COVID, which has already been declared over. Uh, over, yeah. So, in other words, th- this was about politics. The, yes. The president needs the vote of the Generation Z folks and the millennials and those the folks with all this excessive debt. Mm. And I'd like to talk about that at a whole episode mm. and, at another time when we yeah. talk about going to college. But but in the end, they voted that, no, the president cannot just unilaterally uh, dismiss this debt and mm. place it back on the um, backs of the—, of yeah. the uh,
1: and, and to me, again, this we're getting—I think the first two— decisions that we've talked about are very they they more interest to us because they they were they reflect how we think about our faith and how how are there going to be any limitations on our faith mm-hmm. and by God's grace um we have you know we had some judicial victories again that doesn't mean that we're all the clear doesn't mean that that in the future is bright in any means it just means that praise God we our, our rights are protected for at least another decade like you said but this is one of those things where this comes into more political philosophy than I would say religious philosophy. Wouldn't you say that?
0: Yeah, but it definitely has implications uh, in decisions that are important to people of faith further on, because it does go to judicial philosophy.
1: Yeah. So, so how would you, as a Christian, how would you view what he I mean as a conservative I'm thankful that that this was yeah, one because it's to me totally
0: unfair to to dismiss yeah. the debt of some and not others and others who chose not to get right into debt which is one of the reasons I have a huge problem with you know that that means testing of Social Security yeah. um I've, I've prepared for retirement and I'm going to get Social Security they mm. shouldn't take away my Social Security because I prepared for retirement mm. and and they say well he's double dipping no it isn't I didn't go to Disney World when other people did right, I, I didn't right. take cruises when other yeah. people did I did and buy brand new cars. I prepared for my retirement. The fact that you didn't doesn't mean that now you should take away my Social Security because you failed to live with discipline. So So the same thing comes with this case here. Yes. This yeah. case here was about some people choose not to go to college. Others choose to go to, into debt for degrees that will actually allow them to pay for the debt that they incurred, mm. like medical degrees or right, law degrees. Right. But other people have incurred hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt at a very young age, pursuing degrees that will not ever provide them mm. with the income flow yeah. to service this amount of debt. Yet the government encourages it.
1: Yeah. And, and what, what we're saying is that's good. It's good that this decision came down because otherwise- uh, other people are paying that bill. You know, somebody's w- got to pay. Someone's it, yeah. paying. Someone's. It's not like it's just disappearing. It doesn't disappear. That that money is going to be paid by someone. And if you just forgive this debt, it's going to be passed along by
0: taxes in other ways to other people. Yeah, and a tremendous amount of the money the government spends every year is not money that's come in from taxes. It's money that's been borrowed from China. Yeah. Every year we become more and more indebted to yeah, China. At yeah. this point now we're at thirty one trillion dollars Mm. in my lifetime. I remember when we hit one trillion. Yeah. And so I
1: I remember, I can't remember how long ago it was, but I remember going to New York city when I was in college and, you know, you can climb and see that, that, um, that debt clock. clock, And I, I'm trying to remember what it was. It might've been like 4 trillion. I'll have to go back and take a look when I was there. It was probably Mm -hmm. late nineties, but I remember thinking, oh my goodness, like, we'll never. And I remember with, um, with Clinton, remember when the when the when the Republican majority took over the the Congress in ninety four? Yeah, there's
0: like two years.
1: They, all of a sudden, we started having surpluses in the budget, and we started having balanced budgets. And we're like, "What is going on?" And they actually said, within a certain amount of years, we're going to be debt free as a nation. And all of a sudden, that just went yeah. to, w- disappeared. Disappeared. You
0: know I mean? And then even the Republicans have joined in when, when 9-11 happened. It was just like, it was, it will spin whatever it, it takes. Was, yeah, it but it, it's it's really interesting during that time. And it's something that you should note. The economy often lags the actions the government has taken mm-hmm. by as much as a decade. Hmm. And and the surpluses were partly because of Congress, but they were largely because of some of the economic stimuli, stimulus that came because of Reagan's policies. Mm. But you see, after Reagan, there was four years of Bush, and then there came. And so, you know, almost a decade later, we started getting surpluses off the actions taken. Yeah. That that reworks in reverse as well. So if you spend fiv- frivolously, if you overtax, if you do these things, in 10 years, our economy is going to suffer even more than it is today. That's right. And we have to be aware of that, yeah. particularly in the area of inflation.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm glad that they made this decision just because I don't want to pay for someone else's no. college degree on, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something that 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 yeah. I, I don't but, believe. But in. also,
0: nor do we want a president who can spend a half a trillion dollars unaccountably. Yes, because the next president, who what's going to be his yeah. his uh, yeah. use of the money? And I
1: think all of us could see. And I I can't remember. I read this one time when the amount of executive orders that's been yeah. done per president, it just keeps multiplying over and over. So the, yeah. the the executive branch is obviously gaining in power at a rapid pace, more than any other branch of the government. Yeah. So, and
0: it's the role of the Supreme Court to keep that from that's, happening. And, that's really and crucial.
1: Thank God we live in a nation where there are checks and balances. Yeah, and separation of yes, powers. Yeah.
0: So the last one real quickly was the, the big case out of Harvard and the University of North Carolina. Yes. Uh, and this was the issue of how do you make decisions on whether a student can enroll in your school? Mm. And so for years, affirmative action had allowed schools to consider a student's race with mm. the idea they wanted a diversified student population. Yeah. Interestingly, this was not a case that was brought by white students. Students, but rather Asian students. Mm-hmm. One of them was my friend Kenny Zhu. Yeah, uh, Kenny worked out of the North Carolina, but he also spoke to and spoke at Harvard about the situation. Mm. Kenny used to go to come to church. Went here. to church here. He was yeah. in Bible study, yeah. um, and he was a student at Davidson College yeah. here. And and he's Chinese American, mm. um, um, and and so the the issue that came up. With him was he couldn't get into Harvard even though his scores were higher than a lot of people that could because he was mm. Asian and they'd already met their quota of Harvard mm. in, in, in students mm. and I don't know whether it was him or his brother but he, he he experienced it and continued to see it among his friends so the idea was should you be using race of any kind to decide who gets mm. the privilege of a good education whether it was at UNC. Uh, Chapel Hill, which mm-hmm. was, is a state university, mm-hmm. or Harvard, which is a private university. And in the 6-3 decision, they said no. You, mm. can't, you can't do that. Um, Kenny is a big advocate of what he calls the meritocracy, and the meritocracy is that we should be completely colorblind and just use standards of merit. Mm. And uh, I think he makes a very convincing case. He's written a book. He's got a new book coming out uh, in August, um, and his name is Kenny Zhu, X-U. I would urge you to, to get his books and read it. But um, this was a landmark case um, be- because, again, we have to understand what are the Limits of a school's ability to discriminate. Uh, can, can they say, "Well, if you're a conservative, you can't come," mm-hmm. or if you're if you're a Christian, or if you're a male, or if you're yeah. white or yeah. black or right. whatever? Right. And so again, it's equalizing. Um, the opportunity to go through now. I have African American friends who I love very much, who were greatly distressed by this, yeah. and and they say, "Well, you don't know what it's like to have been intentionally discriminated against for generations," mm. and that's true. I yes. don't, but I do believe you know this wasn't a black and white case. This was a this was an Asian American case that was mm-hmm. brought up, and uh, in my opinion, it was a, it was a good decision because I I really believe if we're to get to Martin Luther King's dream of having a colorblind society, we have to quit making these decisions based on the Color of my yeah. skin.
1: color I'm probably someone who's a little bit more, I've got a perplexing, um, feelings on this. Yeah. I, I do believe that, that we should live in a meritocracy where it's, it's what we've, we should get what we've earned mm-hmm. basically. I also understand the his the history that of, like you said, that the, the decades long of, of oppression and, and racism that I believe have kept a lot of people from the opportunity to do these things. And so I do think that there was a time in which this idea was, was probably needed to help people that had no opportunity to do this. I do believe, though, we live in a nation now that, for the most part, I'm hoping that there's more opportunities than ever that people can take advantage of. I, I do think that, to be honest with you, Dan, I think the, these colleges and universities are just going to find another way. To promote diversity. I don't think this is going to change many much. That's that's basically what, yeah, what I
0: saying. They've already stated stated as such. And 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 you know, for that argument that's you know that says there's still a disadvantage, I would say, okay, we've had a president, we have two Supreme Court justices, we you know, the mayors of eight of the ten largest cities in the country are African American. We've you gotta admit there's been a lot of progress Absolutely. made yeah. Yeah. and opportunity to made. Um and again, if I was an Asian student wanting to, you know, to have have my chance at these opportunities, mm-hmm. I, I think I would have had some sympathy as well. Yeah. No chance of me ever getting into Harvard. So, you know, that was that. <laughs> me sure. neither. Well, that that 21 minutes went, went quickly. Flew and, by. And actually went about 23 minutes. Yeah. But as always, thank you so much for listening to us here at Life Talks. Today was just a chat. All right. We want you to understand that. We're just sharing our opinions and talking around a water cooler like many of you do. Uh, But many of you have asked us these questions when you see us in a a restaurant or at church Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so we thought we'd share today, but we hope you'll continue to listen to us here at Life Talks. Tell others about us and you can always catch us wherever you catch your podcast. And until next time, thanks for joining us at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast
1: on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. The Ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.